to Rigged for Dirt, the podcast recorded as the adventure happens. I'm Frank, and this is Holly. And you do that intro so well every time. <laughs> I tried last time, and it didn't work out so well like that. I tried. I it's. I try to keep it simple. Right. It's just like it's it's a sentence, and I try to keep it super simple. Oh no, I have no form or format when I do my intros. So, um, some of you might have actually noticed, you guys that listen to us on your hi-fi speakers, because we do get people that comment about how great the audio is. Right. You might notice that we're not outside. No, we're indoors this time. We're indoors this time. And yeah. where are we? Yeah, so at the end of every episode, you may have heard, or even during my story about my Jeep, that there's been a company that's been along the along for the ride with us. Right. And that is Rig Supply. From the beginning of this podcast and also from the beginning of your adventure Correct. with Kate. Yep. Yep. It was one of the first calls I ever made was to my buddy Luke, Luke Ronsky. So Luke's yeah. sitting here with us. So What's he won't be he's there. Did I pronounce that right? <laughs> Ronsky. Yeah. That's right. Ronsky. It's Polish. And Luke was Pretty much the first call I made when I decided, outside of talking to people at 511, that I was going to start this Jeep project. And, you know, you never exactly did anything. Like, you never gave me anything. <laughs> like, Whoa, bro. No, 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 no. no. It, it gets better. That's one heck of a thank you, you huh? Never, yeah. You never gave me, like, I never got a product from Luke. <laughs> He's like, Luke. But Luke gave me everything I needed, and he was instrumental in putting me in touch with the people that would end up making the jeep happen so don't take too much credit luke so the point is is this jeep the jeep wouldn't have happened without you the way it all like kc you you put me in touch with brad from kc yeah and if it wasn't for that connection the rest of that 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 snowball that happened wouldn't have happened so i think what i'm saying here is the relationships you make in this industry a lot of people ask me how do i get sponsored how do i do this relationships having a strong idea of what you want to do it's so key so anyways with that said, we're here with you. You okay? No, I was just tripping on that noise. I was like, yeah. <laughs> I might someone, need to go check that. I feel like is the someone alarm, knocking? The alarm's like triggering or something. Oh shit! We're you here you might want to go check that real quick. Yeah, yeah go, check, go that. check that. We'll take a <laughs> right. we'll, we'll take a pause. Yeah, he's like, oh, oh, I'll so just I'll go ahead and arm it. He remotely because it's all it. yeah, it's all it's just ring. So. Okay. Oh, gotcha. Right. Okay, so <laughs> Luke. Um, he checked the alarm. Turns out it's okay. We're right. not. <laughs> we're not surprising any would-be burglars. <laughs> but uh, let's uh, let's let's get on track here. Yes. So normally when we do these podcasts, so Luke, you're gonna have to kind of sit through story time a little bit. Um, story time. Yeah, we kind of go and we kind of go back to where we left off and things that transpired and took place in between our last episode and this episode. Um, this time we're gonna go a little bit further back. Because uh, some of this stuff took place before we went on our Big Bear trip, which was our last episode. Right. So um, some pretty cool stuff happened. Um, I really wish Ali would have been able to join me, but he was busy doing other stuff. Um, I was so on break, bro. Yeah. I was on off-road, he was, he was overland on, break. He was on off-road <laughs> sabbatical. If any of you guys get on get on the trail like long enough, I'm sure you guys have had the same experience where you almost need to just get back to normal life. Yeah. And, and you have and, and commitments, right? Well, like there's two kids, it's, it's a, a balance. And, yeah, yeah. You got to work you, and you can't just friends. be like party time all the time. Yeah. Right. At least not at our age. Yeah. But you, right. you, you took the, you took the torch and you ran with it. Yeah. So I was lucky enough or at least had the time um, to be able to join the folks from Overland Bound and go up to Big Bear. And there was two things that were happening that particular weekend is one, we did a trail cleanup um with the uh, national park service up there with the local rangers in big bear which is not very common Uh, normally they don't take time out of their day to do that 
Um, but this was because not only did we do a cleanup, but we also adopted a trail. Oh, that's so, right. Yeah, I saw the sign. Yeah. yeah. So now Overland Bound um, SoCal um, has a trail 4N16 in Big Bear. And Very it's really cool. cool because this this is the coolest part of this whole thing is, um, one, the trail backs up to BLM land. Okay. So that's pretty awesome because you can just basically go like 100 yards and cross a fence, you know, through the trail. And you're in BLM land. So that's cool. The second thing is there's a campsite on the trail. It's a yellow post. Oh, nice. Yeah. And that's really rare to adopt a trail that has a campsite attached to it. So this is an off-road trail. It's then. an off-road. It's it's a it's a fire road. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So I wouldn't say you're going to have a ton of fun wheeling on this trail, but it definitely gives you kind of a, a a place to kind of egress, you know, into the park and into some BLM land. And the campsite is pretty deep into into Big Bear proper nice. in, the, in the mountain. Okay. And it's pretty close to the BLM land. Right on. So you're like 10 minutes from the BLM land. And for those of you who don't know what Yellow Post campsites are, um, it's basically a first come, first serve. First come, you first don't serve. Have to pay. Primitive camping. Right. No amenities. So there's no, no services there. Yeah. No running water. No portos. Uh, actually, this one does have um, pit bathrooms. Oh, really? Yeah. Surprisingly. Is that primitive still? Still. It's a Yellow Post. Yeah. But huh. it does have it does have uh, bathrooms. Like I said, it's really like solid. It is a solid campground. It's got like, I think, eight or nine spots. Oh, that's sick. Like it's perfect and they're huge spots it's perfect for doing a trip well speaking <laughs> of yellow post one thing that i that somebody told me was yellow post traditionally you can only have two vehicles yeah typically. on that lot how many did we have at that last trip um well there's it's 15? per it's per but there's also some exceptions because some of them are huge that, right? the one that we were at was huge and yeah. we had like 40 rigs uh the one last weekend yeah it was like 25 30, yeah 25 25 30 yeah 40 rigs yeah <laughs> <laughs> this is why you actually count and you don't just take all don't these correct up. me when you i'm don't wrong visually take it <laughs> you actually it's count. more exciting the way i say it 40 definitely sounds more epic <laughs> it was an army <laughs> there was like 60 rigs bro it was nuts actually two sheriffs followed us up on the on the trail oh those were rangers weekend. no they were straight up sheriffs the white the white the two white the trucks suburban, which said sheriff oh really and they got out they chucked us out. I think they saw the kids. Oh. Realized we weren't a bunch of like single a dudes with like a party. Yeah. And they took off. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. But good to go. know they're out there. Yeah. Yeah. I actually took, I went to the fire watch um, on that trail. Okay. I broke off because you left early, so you didn't stay. Yeah, I didn't stay. So the, the next morning uh, we were coming down the mountain and um, there was a, a, a fire watch that I'd never noticed. Um, but you could see it when you're coming down the trail. Can you explain what a fire watch is? So a fire watch is, I mean, it's really common in, well, I guess most of the country actually, uh, but in Southern California. And it's basically like a, um, it's a, think of a, not a crow's nest. I mean, essentially it's a crow's oh, nest. Like, like basically where people would volunteer, go up these towers and kind of chill so out So it's there. a, it's a 12 by 12 room essentially. Right. Right. And it's typically on a peak. Um, and it's elevated a good, maybe 80, hundred feet. Um, and so you have to, you know, take the stairs up and it's 12 by 12. So typically in there, there's a double bed. Um, there's some shelf space, um, a sink and, um, maps and binoculars and radio communications. And so this person will go up there depending on the, how remote the fire watch is, because not all of them you can drive to some of them, like the guy that I talked to, actually one of the guys that works at steelhead coffee, where we do the meetup right. for what is now RFD OC, um, yeah, I'll talk about that. He later. used to do Firewatch in Colorado, and his was a three-hour hike Sick. into yeah. the forest from the trailhead, and he would get supplies hella dropped 
there. So he would stay there for a month at a time. Dude, the first time I ever heard about By yourself in the middle of nowhere for a month. No, it's sick. And so I read a lot of Kerouac growing up. Yeah. And one of of the books, I, I can't tell you which book it was, but one of the protagonists within his books, he actually does that. He goes out and he stays in a fire watch tower by himself to find, you know, Carrick was always about finding yourself on the yeah, road. Yeah. And I always thought that would have been so cool to just fuck off for like a month. And oh, totally. Do that. You know? Totally. I mean, I mean, Luke, you could probably attest to this, but because I think we all kind of given what we're into and traveling and kind of going into remote places. Um, when you spend time by yourself, one, you get in your own head, but two, I think you really kind of like sort a lot of stuff out. Like, oh, it's so true. Like you oh really kind of just do an inventory almost. Yeah. Well, and it's, it can be so gnarly. Like, so <laughs> on uh last year, right after we had launched the ultra swing, we did, we just decided like, we're going to drive to Expo East and it was Jason and I both driving our own rigs. So it was entirely solo in our own rigs driving for two and a half weeks. Wow. And we did some mountain biking along the way. We met up with some friends. We literally left straight from SEMA. So dropped in at right. SEMA. I remember that. I lent, I lent you guys two ham radios. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Thanks again. That's I so gave those funny. back, right? Yeah, you gave okay. those back. Cool. <laughs> yeah. But dude, talk about time to just be. That was a big trip for you. Yeah. Yeah. In your That's own it. head. And like so much time to process. What's crazy yeah. about it is. On a long trip like that, I feel like I'm actually more relational with people than I am at home yeah. because I'm sitting in my car and I start calling people. Really? Like I just start calling like whether it's my wife or like a buddy I haven't caught up with. And like when you're driving like 13 yeah, hours, right. the game is how long you can keep them on the phone for. Right. Because now, you <laughs> now you're the one with nothing but time. Yeah. You're right? killing 100 miles with me right yeah. now. You're not yeah. like, I got 10 minutes until the next thing I got to do, so make this quick. Yeah. Right. Totally. And you're no just shit. like, Yeah, I've noticed that too. Like, and you've got time to think about it. Yeah. So you've probably given it thought before you called them. Totally. Right. And you've taken kind of even a, even an inventory of that relationship uh-huh. and all the stuff they've been through with you and the appreciation, things, that you, right? things that you wish you could have said and haven't said and how long it's been since you last talked to them yeah. and all totally. this stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. Huh. So. Yeah, no, humans. Cool. Humans, as when we're solo, we get real like introspective. Oh man! Yeah. Right, like well, especially with how disengaged we can be from our own th- feelings. Yeah, like you put yourself in a car in silence and solitude. <laughs> you know, y- you got to be real comfortable with yourself. You to do. Be. You if get not, stripped away. If good. not, you're about to get comfortable with yourself. <laughs> right. Like it's about to happen. Dude, me and this guy did Moab together. Yeah. we drove up there, and Dude, it's like when I realized. Well, it's when I realized. Oh, we can do this Talk because about like, a test. if you're gonna if you're gonna hate somebody, that drive will do it. Oh yeah, twelve <laughs> you, hours yeah. in a vehicle with in someone? the same car with each other. Yeah, having do to it. switch off, especially on the way back. Oh. Like he he yeah. proved to me like I could probably fall asleep no problem and be confident that he can get us to where we need to get to. Yeah, and likewise, you know, yep. in my Jeep of all things. So uh, that was a pretty gnarly drive. Yeah, but yeah. not to get too sidetracked because I want to come <laughs> back to uh, who Jason is, uh, everything that Luke has built with rigged. Um, you did one other event too, right? You did a cleanup. Oh, right. So that was part of the, the, so there's two things, right? One is I hope we can get more people involved. If you're listening to the podcast, um, is the cleanup, right? So I will say this, we did the Joshua Drake cleanup a long time ago. And then I did, I do a bunch of them. You know, we both do a bunch of them sporadically throughout the year as they pop up. Um, but on this one, we had six people that went on this trip. It was a real small trip because mostly we were going to, we were just going to run this trail, um, that we adopted. And so it was a real small group. 
Um, it was supposed to be, I think, about 12, but it ended up being six. And I will tell you, don't ever underestimate the amount of, of impact that a small group of people can have because we went into this stretch that was probably about the size of a football field, and it was pristine when we left. It was a dump when we got and there. And it was was it BLM? It was no. This is in the park. In the park, um, okay. And it's it's part of the the Forest Service land, but it's a shooting. It's a designated shooting alley. They call it. Got it. And so you can shoot in these little alleys, and so there's like the, what you would expect. You know, propane old, tanks, propane beer tanks, cans. beer cans, yeah. uh, tons of shells, tons of of you know shotgun shells and brass and you name it. The, exactly what you would expect. Right. A ton of clay pigeons. I don't know why, but. Um, you know, we had rakes, which is the first. We normally don't bring rakes. It was super helpful to bring rakes because of all the shells. And I mean, that place. Look on, look on our Instagram accounts, mine um, and Overland Bounds. It was, it's incredible. And that was six people. We filled up the Rangers, um, like you know, what I think she has, like an F two fifty. That kind of surprised me. The Rangers were involved yes. in this cleanup. Yeah, that's normally not the case, and part of it was because um, Overland Bound is going to play a larger role um, on trail adoption and trail cleanup yep. within the Park Service because um, they're a huge community so they can leverage that to do a lot of good and also because it was a trail adoption and um, Ranger Shea which is her name she um, wanted to give us a guide of of the of the the trail but she also wanted to point out because now it trail adoption sounds cool and it sounds like you know you get your name on there and it and it sounds cool right. but it's really a commitment it's a responsibility yeah. yeah because you are now stewards of this trail and that means that it's not just cleanups it's maintenance so she was talking about ruts that we might have to fix, um, things that we'd have to change, like washout points so that we can mitigate damage from from rains, um, trail slashing, which is when illegal trails intersect the legal trails, and how to oh, properly disguise, hide, and or, or destroy an illegal trail, uh, because those are those are precisely the failure to close illegal trails or or not or avoid using them um, is precisely what leads to closures. Like that's when the land managers have to step in and say, yeah, this is out of control. This area is off limits. We're done. Yep. Right. So we did find it. We did find one, um, one that was a motorcycle trail um, that you could see very clearly. You know, it was really well marked. You can tell it was well traveled. So we took out again. We took out rakes. We uh, covered it. We disguised it with natural, uh, you know, biomaterials that were there, um, you know, branches, shrubs, whatnot. We disguised it. We raked it so that that's the really so that it would break up the soil so that plants could take seed on that path because that's one of the problems and the oh. reason these trails last yeah is because you know the traffic compresses the dirt so then nothing grows there it's so like a, it's like a deer trail like yeah anything that's trafficked heavily will exactly you know, just compress so we yeah. decompress it to that's allow cool. things to grow in the future um and so again night and day what six people could do i mean you couldn't even tell the trail was there anymore when we were done with it Dude, it right. was incredible and there's photos of that too so, i've never even heard about that yeah. which is really cool to hear about like that that level of what these rangers have to deal with and contend with um, oh yeah on a given you know and she's day. by herself and so to give you an example right it's it's from in the big bear area which is pretty huge um it's there's three rangers that specifically um are responsible for ohv usage right so they they manage all the trails um that are that are tr that are vehicle specific and off-road specific and big bear has some really legendary ones yeah like, uh, john bull Holcomb and there's one other, you know, Gold Mountain. Gold Mountain. Gold Mountain. Yep. yep. Those so, are the three badges you'll get with your Jeep, <laughs> with your Jeep uh, app. Yeah, and so FYI. she, she and another uh, ranger are responsible for the whole area, 
So that's one of the reasons why you rarely see rangers is because the it's just they don't have enough to to go everywhere. No doubt. Yeah. And so you know she can come up to some pretty sketchy people. She's by herself all the time wow. usually, um, and she's unarmed, right? So like there was that's a crazy. case where even when we were when we were driving, um, there was a group of teenagers. I say teenagers because I'm old now. They're probably twenty something. Um, <laughs> yeah, they're probably they're twenty so something. But they had their dirt bikes, and dirt bikes aren't allowed. Green sticker bikes which is in california term right for a non-plated vehicle um they're not allowed in this in this part of the of big bear so she was like you guys got to pack it up and go she's like i'm not going to write you a ticket um but if you but you got to be gone when i roll back through here mm. so you know they were cool she's incredible she has a skill set of like talk about a master at de-escalation and communication like she's it was pretty cool to see actually when you see someone that knows exactly how to how to use body language and how to use like verbal cues to de-escalate a situation to communicate but still be firm it's it's actually like it's like watching uh it's like watching a play and, and like watching someone like a, like a, like a theater kind of reenactment happen right in front of you it's it's kind of cool you use the weapons you have at yeah disposal yeah right very cool <laughs> so anyways um, that was that was that and that was an experience and a ton of fun so we'll go out there again yeah um to do trail maintenance right yeah, to do I'd, some things i'd love to be part of that next time i uh, just got to plan it out i'm horrible at planning so Hopefully I won't mess it up that time. Anyways, going back to Luke, the man who I, you know, attribute the success of my own project with, um, and has been a big supporter of our podcast, you know, since we started. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the way we met was yeah. you were friends with my buddy, Brendan uh-huh. over at Five Eleven tactical. Yeah. I think I met Brendan through uh, CrossFit testing. Shout okay. out to Joel Thompson. Yep. Um, yeah, I think Joel was the one who connected Joel's Brandon awesome. and I. He yeah. coaches actually classes over at Five Eleven too. One of my one of my dearest yeah. friends. Yep, awesome. No, good good guy. It was it was interesting. A lot of good people came together to make this happen. Unfortunately, the event that we were part of kind of went sideways. That's a whole another story in itself. <laughs> one day, maybe when we run out of material, we can broach that one. But we ended up going to Johnson Valley together. Yep. And you were working for a company called Wilco at the time. Yes, sir. Right? Yeah. And that was the connection. You guys had your Wilco, uh, um, was that a Tundra? We had brought out the Tacoma. Tacoma, okay. Yeah. And it was fully built. It was one of the first experiences I truly had with this overlanding space as far as like how a vehicle was set up and built. And, Did uh, you have your VW still at this time? It wasn't a VW. I thought it was like a like a Touareg or something or like a. It was a Subaru. Oh, it was a Subaru. It's the Subaru is the. Yeah, didn't the, you oh. didn't you read the the blog post Did about getting stuck in the Subaru of Rick for Sorry, Dirt? I assume that I assume I just assumed he was in the VW because you were in like. You need to go listen to episode. Yeah. I just offended him. Can't even look at you right now. So offended. Don't you know my story? Don't you know who I am? Um, He's so offended that I called it a VW (laughs) (laughs) at Turag, no less. My wife had a VW. Okay. Um, No, if you guys have VWs out there, good for you. Yeah. Um, But yeah, so we went out there. Um, You came on board as basically a subject matter expert because we were planning out this whole like outdoor shoot out in Johnson Valley, which would involve dirt bikes, which was maybe. Mistake number one for that trip. <laughs> and then also shooting as well as hiking and, you know, just the outdoor kind of style. Yeah. And we shot it in in pretty much summer in Johnson Valley. Dude, it was Valley. so hot. It was so freaking uh, hot. That's don't, brutal. Do not go to Johnson Valley in the middle of the summer. So for those who don't Usually. know what Johnson Valley is, because a lot of our listeners are not in California. What episode was that? What is oh, King of the Hammers? King of the Hammers episode. Yeah, King we of the Hammers. We were in Johnson Valley. So yeah, you can you can Google that, yep. and that's pretty much where King of the Hammers yep. is, in, is in Johnson Valley. But Johnson Valley is in the 
in Eastern California, Southern California. It's the California desert. Yep. Um, it's probably two or three months out of the year. It's also known as the surface of the sun. Um, <laughs> things go out there to basically like dry up and die. Yep. So I don't know what you guys were thinking going out there in the summer. But <laughs> I don't know either. Honestly, like we were so hot. Yeah. Well, I think you guys were trying to kind of get some content out over a certain timeline. It was like, Oh, like let's do the shoot. Yeah. And so, uh, it was hot. I think, I think one of the calls we made right before the shoot was to uh, bring an RV out to have some AC. Right, which was probably one of the best calls yeah, you could have made. Yeah, it would have been even gnarlier with that. Do you remember that. what the temperatures were? were you, I mean, it had to be over 100. I, I couldn't, yeah. honestly, I couldn't tell you. Yeah. yeah. I just remember we were all sweating, we were all dying. And then we literally took two hours off of the shoot at the peak point of the sun, like yeah. when the sun was directly overhead, and we basically just camped out, which, during which time, we talked about mountain bikes. Yeah. Um, you got me pretty much dialed into what I wanted to do and how I wanted to do it with my mountain bike, um, which has been a great couple of years of biking now for me. And awesome. Again, another thing I can attribute to Luke, which is, you know, he, he set me on that path. <laughs> your con- the path of your concussion. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, that's a whole, shit. that's a whole other, yeah, a few weeks. Don't take weeks. too much credit, Luke. All right, all right. Almost, no, almost a month ago now, I had a pretty gnarly mountain bike accident. My first one actually, where I got concussed. I'm amazed that was your first one. We have a saying at Shimano, I think in mountain biking in general, so Luke, you could probably attest to this, that if, if you're not crashing, you're not riding hard enough. Checkers are wreckers right? all day, every yeah, day. Exactly. Yeah, you know? yeah. Which, which actually was the best day of riding I had, so it makes sense that that would be the day yeah. where I'm just like going for it. Exactly, that's just a thing. And yep. as my buddy Franck, who's French, which is why we call him Franck, would say, <laughs> and he was with me with his buddy Mike, He's like, uh, I would have had more respect for you if you actually crashed on a jump, but you crashed on some turn. And, you know, I didn't, I'll say I didn't know that. That's I, I have no shame. Like, I don't care. Whatever. How did, how I crashed you, on. How did I have you, no idea. I think I was having such a great time that. How did you get a concussion on a turn? I don't know. Hey, I man, would, anyone can go fast in a straight line. What separates the men from <laughs> yeah. the boys is how you corner. How you corner. And I did. That's I, true. Clearly, right I there. did corner well. And my, and my mind saved me from the embarrassment by blacking out that entire crash. So I have no recollection. And I also don't have a record collection of the shame of riding back to my car which i guess i did because that whole period of i only remember coming to on my feet they they got me up on my feet and then i forgot i just basically came to riding my bike to my jeep so which you did this and you've i'm sure because you how long have you, you you grew up in orange county yeah okay so you're familiar with everything that all the trails system. Oh, yeah. Whiting, so, Whiting so, Ranch. Yeah. so i'm guessing that this was that you crashed on the back half before you came down so after you did um uh, mustard and cactus yeah. and then you went back up again right cactus no the second part i was fine it was the third it was the final act it was like the smooth oh silly, where you were doing the dude i'm the telling you meandering little yes. final the, the flowy trail the yeah. flowy, flowy part trail that was nothing. that's where you crashed a, a lot of the trails right now to my credit are like kind of washed out that's true the water and, just, the winter destroyed a lot of and trails there's like so much just like gravel and just like silt hey and, to, to ollie's credit too my gnarliest crashes have all been things that should not have been gnarly crashes well i and you're right because i there's also the saying that the worst the worst crashes or the worst injuries happen doing the dumbest shit right like my the only time i've ever broken a bone um (laughs) mountain biking was in a parking lot i believe it yeah like just doing something stupid that's funny yeah 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 i mean i've had plastic surgery on my face from just literally riding along and being a little tired and stuffing the front wheel in a, in a corner. Like yeah. it's those kinds of like 
when you're locked in and you're doing something really gnarly, you're locked in, you're, you're focused. You're focused, yeah. it's, it's true. when you lose that focus and you're literally just... Which is exactly what I think happened. Yeah. I was like stoked on Cactus, because Cactus was amazing. Cactus is fun. The second half was awesome, because yep. there's a second part where you... There's a second part where you climb back up to the ridge, and then you kind of come down along the houses, the fence line. No. And then the spine, and that drops into the fire road. Right, it's it's a like, kind of fire roady area. Yeah, um, and then you take the fire road down, and then it goes into the flow trail section. The left, it goes yes. off to the left. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So whatever. Anyways, um, luckily no broken bones, but I, I think I've got some ligaments. You've got some weird like going on. There's you've like got a some weird floater in your elbow. Like, yeah, there's a weird floater <laughs> in my elbow, and there's like a bulge on my hand, and it's and it's made wrenching really hard. So I've had to ask buddies to come over and like help me like change suspension out and stuff like that on the jeep. But whatever. must be nice, right? <laughs> I just call people up. He's milking it over here. He's like, call uh, my buddy Matt. Help me, three two one adventure. Hey, come over here and help me. And come he's just help me such wrench. a sweetheart. He comes over and he helps. And I'm like, can I give you money? And he's like, he throws my money back at me. I'm like, That's so nice. I feel like we kind of started um, Luke's story at 25%. Like we kind of like, well, let's go back to Wilco. So yeah, well, no, but I mean, like, I feel like obviously we're talking about mountain biking. There's a lot of background right before sure. before the photo shoot right sure. um tell us about you like how did you get started um one in the outdoors in general like who who is luke yeah so um luckily i had the blessing of having a very outdoorsy uh set of parents um i started racing bmx at four years oh, old good man um yeah, Orange Y BMX track, rest in yeah, peace, was I know, right? literally around the corner from my house. So it was, yeah, it was right down the street. Yeah, like, that was one of the that was one of the coolest tracks and yeah. the first BMX track that I went to. Nice. Yeah, that place is rad. Oh yeah, my rest gosh. Rest in peace. Like yeah, rest in peace. I mean, like growing up, I never played team sports. Like throw a ball at me, I won't catch it. <laughs> like seriously, never played team sports a day in my life. Um, All I picture right now, and sorry yeah. to interject, but I just picture. Do you guys are you guys watch The Simpsons? Do you remember, yeah, do you remember when, when, when Homer threw the Frisbee at Santa's little helper and it just bounced off his eyeballs? <laughs> yeah, that's me. hundred <laughs> percent. It just bounced off his eyeballs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I mean, uh, raced bikes from a very young age. Um, that's always been a, a super big passion in my life. Um, and grew up camping. Um, my dad had this 88 Range Rover and, uh, we'd go out and wheel and big bear and that. And so I grew up around it. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, really biking was sort of the, the focus of, of my life for a lot of years from a young age. And then all the way up through college racing mountain bikes, transitioned into downhill racing, um, kind of like late high school into college, um, traveled a bunch and then, um, yeah, was just super involved. I worked at a bike shop for a decade shout out to the nice. path bike shop oh yeah the, the path, path is um, that's where i got my bike that's yeah. a great yeah. shop too by so, the way so shout out to tawny i mean literally yeah i couldn't legally work when i started there that's awesome um, <laughs> and just yeah like learned i swear like i learned more working at a bike shop 100%. than i did in college sure. or like there's so many skill sets of those how to deal with people yes. and like just work workflow that like I owe to the bike shop. And the cool thing so. about, because I, I grew up working in a bike shop as well in San Diego. And the cool thing about bike shops that I think are different than most other businesses or working in fast food, because I never did fast food. I basically graduated and went straight to a bike shop and then went to school while working at the bike shop. And you're right. You it's, it's very like, you got to wear a lot of hats, right? You start, oh, off, yeah. you start off somewhere, but as you stay and as you learn more, yep. you learn, 
how to deal with people. You learn how to wrench. You learn how to do sales. Yep. You learn how to like, you know, you also learn a little bit of the business, right? What margin totally. is, what cost yeah. is, what, you know, what customer service is and customer the value of service that. is a big it's piece like of that. You, yeah. The skill set that you get working for a mom and pop bike shop or which is, you know, in even the path that has a couple locations or three now, I think. Two. Two, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah, it's irre- I wouldn't I wouldn't trade that part of my life of the seven six years that I worked in the bike shop. I wouldn't trade that for anything. Totally. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. Um, so yeah, after sort of working at the bike shop, graduated college with a philosophy degree okay. and a world religions degree. Wow, a deep which, thinker. Uh, people say, well, why did you pick that path to poverty? Which <laughs> my whole thing with that is like we live in an age where the answer to ever every question is on your phone. Yes. So really sort then, of. sort of, at, at least, at least the wrong answer, at least the wrong answer, <laughs> yeah, but if then you ask Google, you're going to have cancer tomorrow. So. Right. But <laughs> then the real, yeah. the real test becomes learning how to ask the right questions. That's true. And philosophy kind of trains your mind to ask the right questions. Interesting. And so I think like taking that path ended up being in a roundabout way. I think a really good degree for someone that wanted to start their own business. Interesting. Um, because there there are no rules <laughs> when you're creating it from scratch, right? Like right. you've got to write the rules. How are you going to do it? Um, how you're going to build it? How, the way you're going to look at it? Um, and so I think it, if anyone out there is like trying to figure out like what path to take, I mean, honestly, like whatever degree you get, I mean, let's be honest, like most degrees don't really train you unless you're like going to be a doctor or like it's absolutely true that most people do not work in the field they studied totally that's a hundred percent true history yeah i'm a firm believer i'm a firm (laughs) believer that college um teaches you two things one it teaches you how to be an adult right in in the sense that you now it teaches you how to complete a process from yeah, beginning to end for sure right you have you have tasks you have expectations you have timelines and you have to deliver and you get graded on that yeah. which in which in the real world that a great that that equates to pay yeah right and so college is basically a training ground for corporate life or lifeing life as an adult right sure. like yeah. the, the all the other stuff you learn right humanities right. and science and all in math and or even marketing in marketing like, or whatever you're going to school <laughs> for that stuff yeah. is all secondary. Right. What you're learning is how to work within processes. Totally. Right? Like yeah. how to work within systems and how to complete uh, something from A to B. Yeah, for sure. Or you start to fail clothing companies, learn how to do graphic design and work your way. Yeah, you, you know, the school of, the school of saying, hard there's knocks. There's different ways of Look, the school of hard knocks is underrated too, in my opinion. For like, sure. I did you know. seven years at a community college. Thank you very much. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I bounced Lots around. Lots of people go to school for seven years. Yeah. yeah. Doctors, yeah. <laughs> some end up with six figure salaries, and some take a little while longer. They usually have their name on the door yeah. and wear a white coat, but sure, whatever, <laughs> whatever. You say tomato, I say tomato, whatever. Um, but the reality is, is it's all about hustle, and I think hustle is a really good phrase to apply to you because you thanks you've gone through a lot. Yeah, you know, it's been it's been a really interesting journey. Um, you know, I mean, we've touched on the Wilco. Uh, side of the the story, which really was um, the the founder of of Wilco. I was coaching his son in a high school mountain bike league okay. for Foothill High School, and that's kind of how I got to know him. Oh wow! And then through a series of events, he's like, "Hey, how about you come work for me?" Um, and you know, fresh out of college with a philosophy degree, I was like, "Yeah, sure." 
Hollywood I know business. a little bit about off-road. So that must have been in, gosh, what year is that? Four, four, four years ago now? So I think right, right after now, I got married. I think right now in this married? moment. Four? Yeah. I think right now in this moment, I finally placed where I first met you. Oh, wow. Which is, I think, at the Goose Gear Open House when you oh. still worked for Wilco, I think. Yeah, probably. Because I remember the Wilco Tacoma. Yeah. And I remember I met you, and I had an F-150 back then, and I was actually thinking about throwing a Wilco on the nice. F-150. Like, yeah. that's so crazy. Like, I just now the face just clicked. I'm like, I knew I knew Luke before. Right. <laughs> yeah, there you go. It's so weird. Yeah, so that's kind of where everything started, and then it was about two years of just being thrust into um, the Wilco experience, which at that point, when I came on, it was a fresh rebrand from what it had been called, which was Tiregate. Oh, wow. And we were sort of forced with uh, the rebrand of the company into Wilco, Yeah, which actually um, my dad was brought in as a freelancer to do the graphic sort of remake of of the logo. So, yeah. So, um, yeah, background on him. He was, my dad was the uh, creative director kind of behind Amp Research before that company. No kidding. So our family has a lot of ties to the automotive aftermarket. Um, But yeah, so Wilco was a really fun journey. Um, It was literally just a crash course in like all things sales, marketing, like dabbling in sort of product dev because it was a tiny team and it was like, what should we do? What can we make? And I mean, so much credit to Paul, um, the the founder, for just like being open and for just trying things and trusting you guys, right? And trusting like, yeah. me with like so much responsibility, absolutely like, young, right? And just, very young, very little experience, and like in a lot of ways, just handed the keys, like, yeah. hey, like try stuff. And so, I mean, yeah, I couldn't have asked for a better experience for just learning. Um, more about the industry and then so you know obviously the next question is well how did how did rigged happen right right and so that was a process where i like that he's asking his own questions we can well, just kind of yeah, sit back yeah, and chill it's guys just more beer there there are they're in the fridge <laughs> help yourself yeah, yeah. Be right back um yeah i mean then it was really like becoming clear that the owner was looking to kind of move on and and pivot and was just ready to basically, you know, sail away. Um, and so I was like, well, like, I don't really want to stay around, stay around while this thing gets acquired. Like I know enough about company acquisitions to know that the guy in my shoes is like probably not the guy who should stick around. Right. right. Like, <laughs> And I think probably, you know, something that goes back to our last episode talking to Alan is I'll bet you when he left in that moment where you were considering leaving and actually leaving yeah. is the company probably lost their why. Like what were they going to be? Who were they going to become? What was going to happen? And even like the direction, right? Mm-hmm. I'm assuming that the direction kind of like. Well, I mean, everything's due to reinvention under new leadership. And I, and I. You leave managers usually. You leave. No, you but leave I mean people, like when, right? when, when the company changed hands, right? Like, uh-huh. but yeah, I mean, so I had left before, uh, kind of before the final transition had happened. Okay. So what I had done was said, look, I know that there's going to be a transition. I'll stay on as the marketing support, but I'm going to start building some other things. And back then there was no intention of ever making a product that would be a competing product. It was just, we're going to do sort of, we're going to, the goal was to build essentially this marketplace model. 
and we Got were going right. to just be an online retailer of Overland products. Yep. And the the goal, the why, was to create a better experience for people interested in Overland. I mean, coming from the bike world, like we understand as a hobby-based industry, if the experience sucks, right. people will go find a different hobby. Right. And what I was seeing in the Overland space was this incredibly fragmented mix of off-road shops and all these mom and pop companies. And yep. there was so much confusion of where do I go? Where do I find information? Where do I get things installed? And Instagram's promoting this like awesome story of this right. thing that people want to engage in. It's, it's like, well, where do I go? Yeah, no one, the the launching point was missing, right? right. Like they, you had the people that hadn't done it. You had the people that were doing it and the, the path to get there was completely missing. Yeah. Totally. And so we started building this marketplace model and we partnered with this Australian company um, that originally launched a, a product called Bike Exchange and and grew this marketplace. And we built this whole thing for the overland industry. And uh, it took about six months to build. And then there came a point where we're like, you know what, like some of our hypotheses of what we thought would work weren't working. Right. Yeah. And so we pretty much just did a hard pivot yeah, and we simplified did, yeah. the crap out of that to just like an online Shopify retail site. Yeah. And then all along this journey, and by this point it had been close to a year of complete remover, removal from Wilco with the new owners in place. And I was just like, you know, like I never stopped thinking about the ways that I wanted to make one of their products, uh, better like their their main you know product is a hitch mounted tire carrier and i was like gosh like i really feel like there's things that i want to do to make this a better experience and then you know i really wrestle with that because when you build something or help build something i won't take all the credit but you're emotionally attached to it right sure and then to to then make anything that in in many ways is a competing product that's like a weird emotional space to be in. But ultimately, talking to people like Joel, you mentioned earlier, the yep. owner of CrossFit Tustin, like he was just encouraging me like, dude, like this is America. Like if you can, if you feel like you can do something better or even just different, do it. Like that's the beauty of this capitalism, country. Bro. Yeah, that's the foundation of capitalism. Yep. It's the foundation of the work ethic that that I think embodies a lot of what this country is about and I think is the true kind of source of that American dream, right? Is that, look, if you have an idea and you're willing to work your ass off for it, then that's that's literally the founding, like the, the pillars that you build your future on, right? And so finding something better, I mean, our history and products and in this country is full of people that did things first and then people that did it better and so on and so on and so on right like that's just kind of how things are yeah. i mean heck even the mop like look at it now right like it's not like just a broomstick with some threads now you have some that twist some that self ring some that right those are all ideas of improvements from a basic nothing or from the bike industry right yeah, like, absolutely there are so many amazing bikes out suspension there. designs <laughs> it's different kinds of pivots and different <laughs> absolutely yeah and i think that's where for us even though we took a lot of pivots the underlying value has always been and continues to be that our goal is to have the best possible experience we can have. 
And we mean that out of our product and also out of how we relate to customers, what we do as a team day in, day out is all for the sake of having the best possible experience we can give someone. And so for us too, I mean, when we went to develop the Ultra Swing, which is our swing away tire carrier and really pretty much the bulk of our entire business now, um, it was all about the personal desire that I had to want to carry my spare tire, but also carry my bikes. And I, yeah. and, and that to me, like I really, it's very rare that I go anywhere on a trip and don't have my bikes with me. Right. Yeah. I really feel like calling it a tire carrier is underselling what it is. <laughs> like it's not just a tire carrier. Like I think maybe, maybe it started that way. Right. Or, or is from a competitor standpoint or even from where the idea, the nascent kind of part of it, right. was like, okay, we're going to build a swing out with tire carrier, but it's definitely not that anymore. Like, I feel like just calling it a tire carrier is way underselling it's what you a, guys have done. It's a vehicle well, thank you. mechanical backpack. Yeah, it's, it really almost is, right? I mean, like it's a backpack. A lot of our truck. copy says hitch carrier. Yeah. yeah. Because you can run it without the tire. Exactly. Like you can run fuel on the front, right. camp table on the back, and carry a bike. And we have more and more people running that setup, especially as the audience grows and we kind of push some of the cycling background audiences to it more like the Radivist yep. did a feature on it, which was so cool. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's, it's just promoting the fact that like the bike industry as a whole, there's, there's more and more interest in the experience of going out and having your vehicle be part of that too. Absolutely. And I mean, you see that in everything you see it like where I live in Costa Mesa, I swear it's like the sprinter van capital yes. right. of the world <laughs> totally because is. it's, it's the surf and Baja trip crowd and yep. a little uh you, you heard it here first we are launching a sprinter van version of the ultra swing cool. oh that's um, awesome it's just about finished so we'll be launching that really soon so we're super excited we've been asked from day one to make it we just didn't want to do it until we could actually take the time to make it for that platform do right and so so can i ask you what does that yeah. mean like what's involved in making us uh, the the swing out the ultra swing for a sprinter van versus making it for the forerunner or even the universal one. Yeah. So basically on the van, everything gets longer. Those massive barn doors on the back just require a significant amount of clearance to get out of the way, especially because the way we design everything is that it's optimized, not just for the way the carrier swings, but even if bikes are mounted to it. So that requires a lot of distance. That's also why we have the offset swinging receiver, which is something that we spent a lot of time figuring out how to make that work well and then filing utility patents on it because that was such a crux of how the experience experience, works. Of like, you don't have to take your bikes off. You can swing them fully out of the way and they can just live on the back. Um, and so whether it's the van life guys or for me on my forerunner, just after a trail ride in Aliso, like bikes are on the rack, swung open, camp tables down, like crack a beer. Like it's just a good experience. And until, (laughs) until you've had to carry two bikes on the back of your vehicle, like, so you guys know the FJ and, and the Jeep, right? The, the, they have their doors that swing out, right? Just like a like you said, just swing out door like a, and, and the, the forerunner has the hatch, the right? Yep. Yeah. But these are just rear doors that swing out, you know, horizontally. So until you've had two bikes on the back, 
and you want to get into that hatch, totally. you don't know the pain of, <laughs> of trying to pivot in all these racks. They all have pivots that's that they drop down 40 yeah, degrees yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Do that with two bikes when you're dead uh-huh. tired and, and you and and you have to contort yourself so that your bikes don't slam the ground or do some crazy dance or punch a handlebar through your window totally. when you put it back up. Yep. Right. Like it's the most irritating, annoying thing when you've been on the road all day and all you want to do is get your tent out of the back instead yeah. of climbing through the front seat to the back. Yeah. <laughs> or, or when you're getting ready to go on a big trip and you're like, I'm going to take my bike with me. And then you go to borrow your buddy's uh, bike carrier and you realize it's not going to fit on a, um, your tire carrier, which has a 37 inch tire wrapped around by like right. a steel tube cage. Uh, which <laughs> brings me to the product that I got from you, which was the um, the hitch extension, yeah. the anti-wobble hitch, hitch yeah. extension, which has worked out great, especially on Wednesdays when I have to take the kids' bikes to the YMCA camp <laughs> every single week. Yeah, um, But thanks for that. Yeah. Uh, it actually clears the tire. I do need um, to modify it because the cheap, it's just that, that tire carrier is just so massive. So it works for taking the bikes, but I still need like almost like an inch to two inch drop in order yeah. to clear, to swing it out. So, I mean... Whatever, I probably have to get a whole different setup. I think you need to part it out. You need a new car. Yeah, just, just burn just it to the ground burn, and part it out and burn it. Yeah, <laughs> um, but no, but it, 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 that allowed that product was like I needed that product, and you just so happen to have made it. It's and funny. That's a product that we never really. I ne- I didn't want to make that product. Well, like I did. didn't want to have to make a hitch extension. Sure. I felt like, okay, this is something because one of the other huge values I have is for collaborating with other companies. So like, when I developed the Ultra Swing. We built, we built the product and then it was like, my goal was the accessories to see how many other companies I could bring in to the project. So literally like Mario from Rago Fabrication, I literally just sent him our CAD and said, here's my new product that's about to drop, make a Molly panel for it. And that had to have fast tracked like the whole ecosystem, right? Because at that point you're no longer relying on on your capabilities or your time or your design chops, right? You're letting someone who specializes in this kind of stuff kind of run with it. Fulfillment and production. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. And also like, let's be honest, like the best, whether we're talking music, like art, like the best projects are the collaborative ones. Absolutely. Because you're getting fresh eyes on it. And so like knowing the way that Mario thinks about building product and like the eye that he has for things, he brings a different lens than I have. And so the end result is just, an even cooler product. Yeah, one of the deepest conversations I had at Overland Expo was with Mario. Nice. That guy. That guy is. If you, if anyone ever meets him, and you want to talk about just how to run a business and and how to develop human talent, talk to that guy. Yeah. He has such a passion for for turning each one of his employees into like into leaders inside and growing them into grow his like. He doesn't look at growing his business as growing sales. He looks at growing his business as growing the capability and the skills of his people. Yeah. And like great. that dude has got, he's, he's pretty, he's pretty together. I'm, I was impressed. Yeah. And Melissa, like, I mean, yeah. you, you can't talk about Raga without talking about 100%. Melissa and like just Holy them shit. as a couple, um, just Mario and Melissa, like both vets, both yep, just yep. like crazy hardworking people. Total dream team. And <laughs> I mean, together they have just done so much for that company and like just i mean they're the, also the rate of products they churn out it's insane. Like, it's like a new product i think they're week. i think no i think it's more than that like i remember when <laughs> when awesome. i was looking at his facebook their facebook group their the the rago cool kids yeah. right and he goes hey so who wants a who wants a gas tank skid for their forerunner 
and then like the next day, boom, here it is. And then yeah, he, and then he right. and then he brings out like um, sliders, and he's got the brackets, the 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 guards for the lower links, and mm-hmm. he just goes. It's almost like um, like once he gets started on a vehicle, yeah. he just like goes the yeah, whole vehicle totally. like he just goes yeah yeah he just goes bonkers on and, it and that's primarily toyota right for the listeners that are yeah, yeah i think so for the most part i mean they have some universal products but it's definitely a heavily toyota based focus speaking of which rig supply itself with the the original ultra swing that's a primarily i believe the first vehicle you had it on was the tacoma right uh the forerunner, forerunner so sort it? of the design process was um my my first goal was I wanted to make a hitch mounted carrier for the fifth gen Forerunner that had no compromises in terms of fitment. Got it. Because for me personally, the fifth gen was the rig that I was looking at, and I didn't want a rear bumper and a swing out. And you know we get a lot of comments about oh you know your product's cool it's a third the price of a bumper and a swing out. And I tell people like, that's cool if that's what sells you, but you have to understand that from my priorities, I would pay more for something that weighs 250 to 300 plus pounds less, which is exactly what the Ultra Swing is. So for me, it was like, I, I wheel the fifth gen Forerunner, but not hard enough to need the rear end protection. And my, my personal trips are way more about just camping mountain biking surfing and if we get some rad wheeling in the process awesome and that's just yeah yeah, that's just me personally i mean jason's running the ultra single as well which you know i'm sure you guys will have on soon you know taco dust for for uh for those who follow him on instagram and i mean that's a long travel tacoma that that goes fast and and he likes to wheel hard and the ultra string still can keep up with his you know his priorities but for us it's all about like keeping things light that's why the koozies your beers are in say light and lit on the back it's like that's the whole message (laughs) is is light and lit and like just having you know having what you need without a bunch of extra bs sure so no i mean it's it's cool to see companies make a a solid product, especially like we talked about earlier, when you are really dealing with a, a competitive marketplace. Yeah, know? and I noticed one of the things I like too is how you guys like. I just saw this on Instagram. I think you posted it yesterday or the day before. Um, as it was a simple question, right? Is the ultra string right for you? But then you had some really valid points on how to select like the the ultra swing, right? And saying like the comparison of what you just talked about, the comparison of bumper. Do you need a bumper or do you need something to carry your gear? Right. Do you need armor? If so, you may. And and I was surprised to read it because normally a company that's trying to sell their product is not going to sway you away. But there was a there was a a very high degree of honesty in that thing. Right. And it was saying, look, man, it's not for everybody. Like I unsell our product all the time. Yeah. Like it's not for everyone. Yeah. (laughs) I did it the other day. I told him this isn't right for you. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. One guy that buys it and hates it. I told him to take away like 15 other sales. It's not worth it. Right. Like you don't want this guy. Like you said, it's all about the experience. Yeah. And if it's not a fit, there's no reason to shoehorn it in there. Yeah. Right. But if it is a fit and this is what you're looking for and this is the kind of driving that you're doing. We've got it. And, you know, like you made some good points. Like, is it a daily driver or is it a dedicated rig? Are you wheeling it all the time or are you doing gnarly trails where you need the armor and you can't afford to not have the armor? 
Yeah. Or like the guy who called me two days ago and said, hey, can I fit 40s on this? And I said, well, we kind of tap it at 37. I said, what are you putting this on? He's like, well, I want to put it on the front of my earth roamer. <laughs> to which I said, well, why does it need to swing out? Right. And he's like, well, it doesn't. <laughs> to which I was like, okay. I was like, well, um, I was like, honestly, I think that there's a better solution for you than this product. And I think that, and I gave him the name of a local local fab guy. And I was like, I think you could make something really great because it sounds like all you need to do is just put something on the front, like right. very simple, no pivots involved, which is even better if you're going to run a 40 right. on Super run strong. flats. Yeah. That's like a 200 plus, yeah. 250 pound Wheel tire combo. Super simple equals yeah. super strong. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, again, wasn't the right experience, and I'm perfectly happy to say no to his money and tell him to go somewhere else. Right. Yeah. So. That's integrity. Yeah, cool. absolutely. absolutely. Um, being, a, being a pretty, I mean, fairly new business owner, like, uh, how has this whole thing been for you? Well, how old is Rick Supply? Two years. Oh, yeah. About yeah. two years. Yeah. 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 You're in that three year, that sub three year mark that yeah. everyone talks about for a new business. Right. Yeah. We're still in it. So, so how is it? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I would say, um, the, the journey has been filled with big risks, yeah. um, and just really booking the ticket before you even know how it's all going to work out. And that's, pretty much been the narrative of us as a team you know just just going for it all in 100 percent um we're a team of four okay. so we just hired our our fourth full-time guy congrats um, yeah, congrats a milestone thank you yeah especially when you can start hiring people like you know that's you're starting yeah. to provide lives for yeah absolutely cool. and even that was fully like you know my partner ryan was like dude we have to hire our fourth guy. And I'm like, no, we can do it. We can manage, you know? And like, it's sure a, enough. It's a tough call though, oh, right? Man. Because on the one side, you know, it's, it's very real money and, and you don't want to hire someone because we do this all the time, even though we're a big company is, um, our CFO has a really strict kind of motto about this. And he goes, look, we have to be the reason that we're so that we require so much validation for a new position is because there's nothing worse than hiring someone totally. and then telling them six months later or eight months later or even a year later that their position is no longer needed and you have to let them go. Mm -hmm. You know, you're, you want to provide long-term employment to someone that's valuable to them and to you, right? And so it's a, it's a huge step to take on another employee. It's not just about money. And at the same time, like you don't want to stifle your growth by not hiring someone if you can, right. if that's going to be the contributing factor of boosting your capacity. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I would just say too, I mean, it's, I think, I feel like most startups have the same sort of story, but when you put everything out and you put everything on the line and you know, you're not making money when you first start, right? Like everything's going back into the company. Yeah. And like one of the right. things that I, I think I'll always look back on and like, just have such fond memories of is the community, like my friends and family, like coming alongside my wife and I, and like, just like loving us and blessing us and like buying us dinners and like knowing that like, dude, they are all in and <laughs> right, like, right. they 
need help right now. Right. And also the even fact little that, things like that though, right? Like, dude, even and it just means just... so much. Like when you're so tight, like early on startup phase 100%. and it's your goal is ramen profitability yes, and like yeah. you're not even there it's yet. It's like being in college again, right? right? <laughs> to that degree. Like <laughs> yeah, like you're just everything's out, like everything's on the line and like also the fact that in the same year we launched the company, like I had my first kid. Oh man. You know, so it's like new dad, new business. Um like my wife's job was like fully in limbo and it was just like everything's up in the air, right? Wow. And like that kind of stuff is so formative when you learn like how little you can live on. Yes. And also like how blessed you actually are when you're forced to like do an inventory check. You can appreciate yeah. It. I think you know? people do underestimate or confuse a lot of times necessity with want for sure. Right. Like, especially when it comes to what you can live on. Like I remember at my absolute poorest when I was in college, I remember back then I was probably living on 10 bucks a week. Yeah. Right. Like I'm talking like dollar menu, right? Like I had going to Jack in the box and sending and getting like, all right, uh, 99 cent tacos, water and a 99 cent cheeseburger. Right. Like that's two bucks. And you know, you throughout the whole week. Right. Yeah. So, and that was, you know, you're in college and that's, you know, you make maybe a couple hundred bucks a week. Cause back then minimum wage was like four seventy five, <laughs> Right. So you're like, yeah. And I think that, I mean, it's hard, but you know, I think like who was, I think it was, who was saying it Ali to us that, you know, a hard, a hard path like that really kind of, I think it was Matt Frick from Camp Forlo when we did that one, he was saying like, you know, a hard road makes good people. Right. For sure. And, you know, like yeah. that's kind of, you know, you don't want the easy way. The hard way is when you've kind of earned it and, and did it. And, you know, you've sacrificed and you've had to walk that walk. Right. When and not and focus on the necessity more than the want. For sure. Well, what's interesting for me to hear Luke talk about actually how tight it was. And I I didn't have a lot of that perspective when we were first kind of communicating when I was starting my own project. And it's a good perspective to have for everyone who's listening and thinking about like approaching sponsors, talking to this company, that company. For me to hear you say that gives me a lot more appreciation for what you kind of did with me and for me. And again, we didn't do anything too much directly, but you spent a lot of time on the phone and you leveraged a lot of the relationships you already had and you gave that to me, which helped me form and kind of take that ball and run with it. And it's like so many people are like, oh, what can I get out of somebody? What can I get from a company? And yeah, they that's forget, a bad perspective. To yeah, have. It's, it's really short-sighted, right? Oh, yeah. Like totally. Yeah. There's a person on, first of all, there's a person on the other side of the line. And not only is there a person, but especially if you're dealing at the level of where the person owns their business, and even, even if they don't own it, they're like, you know, a marketing manager or whoever you're talking to. They've got a whole nother life too that goes beyond your project. That goes yeah, beyond it's, your it's, needs. It's it's an income to them, right? Like it's giving you something is is taking something well, from them. That and yeah. right. Oh, I mean that and just being more understanding of like, you know, maybe they don't call you back right away. Yeah. Maybe maybe they're they're not communicating with you because I and I, I remember having this conversation with you where we talk and I'd be like, look. Right now, I know this G project is my entire, this and my job are my entire life that I'm focused yeah. on. I know for you, Luke, like you're dealing with all kinds of other stuff. So if you don't have time for this, we can talk later. And you're like, no, 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 we can talk. I'm like, okay. Because it's good to have that perspective that the world doesn't revolve around what you need. 
you have to make compromises and have empathy for even that company that you're talking to or the person that's on the other line. Absolutely. For sure. Yeah. You guys should have a footnote to talk about this with Jason. Okay. And just like, I feel like the whole relationship building thing is something that Jason does incredibly well. Um, and also will like say a lot of really blunt things about what he thinks about like how you should approach companies. (laughs) I think, yeah, I mean, I think if you're coming into any kind of relationship with your handout, I mean, you're think about already, if yeah. think about if you how you make friends, right? And this is like because I had a guy actually reach out to us on the Rick for Dirt account, okay? And he said, you know, how do I get to where you guys are, right. or, or you know, how do I get to what Kate the Jeep is doing, and yeah. and all these sponsors and stuff? And I go, look, first of all, you can't. I go, a Ollie started in a completely different position than ninety percent of the people out there, right? Mostly because a he was he he had the right people at the right time. And two, you started with 5.11, which right. is a massive step up from most Dude, other people. I had a running, like, one-mile head start exactly. on the average person. Exactly. And then to everybody else, and so then I told him that. And I go, look, the second thing is you can't introduce yourself with your handout no. to people. Because think about if someone came to your house and said, hey, I'm your new neighbor. Let's be friends. Hey, can I have 20 bucks? No. Like it, that's just not going to fly. There's You're no gonna, relationship. There's there, no yeah. relationship there, right? You, you have to come with noble intent of saying, "Look, I'm, I want to be your friend and build a relationship for because I like what's going on here. And if something develops later, great. Yeah. But right now, it's about you know how can how can we? You have something I want. I'll buy that. I'll buy this. And then if something happens down the road, it happens down the road. Yep. Right. And I think that's kind of, and the second thing I told him is I go, Hey man, careful what you want. Careful, careful what you wish for. I go because he goes, well, I want, you know, get maybe some sponsors for the truck. And I go, keep in mind, every sponsor you get is a commitment, right? Not just for content, but for time, for your weekends, all the fun that you have wheeling is all going to go away when Mm -hmm. you have five or six sponsors that are asking you for, to do an event, to do images, to do edit this, write this blog, do this story, have, go do this appearance, go talk about these tires and this product. This you person. will spend more hours than probably your hourly wage is worth exactly. by the time 100%. you're done. If, if a, you're doing it right enough exactly. that the company is, is doing it right in terms of what influencers are working with. Exactly. hundred percent. And you can't afford to do it wrong because the industry isn't that big. No, it's right? a small industry. If so you burn someone, you're done. Yeah. Right? Depending but, on how long you want to stay in the, in the, in the industry, like, it's going to dictate like how much you got to put out there, especially if you're getting sponsors. And that's why I'm pretty convinced that every person we've worked with, I've say that's been successful had already booked the ticket, so to speak. They were already doing it. They were already moving. They're already right. running at a hundred miles an hour. Right. And if along the way, I mean, honestly, half the time we're going to see them before they are even reaching out to us, right? Like if they're really running that fast. But even if we don't and they reach out, it's like, it's very apparent who's just all in. Absolutely. And not sort of waiting until something's first given to then put in the work. Yeah. I mean, we have the same conversation at Shimano all the time, right? Where we get someone that wants to be a sponsored athlete, right? And and they say, you know, they come up to me when we're at a marketing event and they'll say, hey, you know, I want to, I want... I want to be a sponsored racer. I'm a downhiller. I'm starting out. I'm, you know, 14. And I go, you know, trust me when we're ready to sponsor someone, we'll, we will, we will know your name, you know? And and he goes, really? And I go, yeah, you know why? Because you're going to be on that podium Mm -hmm. all the time. And then we're going to be like, Hey, have you guys heard of so-and-so? He's won like 17 races as a junior. 
and yeah. he's going on to, to be you know he's like top ranked in in the world he's like 50th in the world right yeah we're gonna know your name yeah it's not gonna be a matter of of in and if we if we don't know your name and you come to us with a with that resume we we will right mm-hmm. but i go you can't nothing happens out of the gate right you know you have to show your passion you have to show your commitment like you said you have to have already been all in yeah right and punched your ticket and said i'm all in on this ride mm-hmm. i'm putting in the hours i'm putting in the time i'm putting in the effort and these are the results dude yep. i've got the funniest story like I, which is kind of funny because i i had a I had a good tenure within the import automotive aftermarket industry so that's kind of like how i how I got my skill set was first with uh, the D1 Grand Prix in Japan, and then um, moving on into some aftermarket automotive parts companies. One of which is literally right down the street, right here, called Apex Integration. And oh, I nice. and I worked there for a solid year, and part of my um, part of my job was to field a lot of phone calls that came in for people who wanted sponsorships. And I'll never, I'll never forget this call that I had, which was this guy called and he said, "Here's the project I'm building." Here's uh, here's the racism, you know. I'm like, oh, red, and I'm like, okay, you know what? If he needs support, I really like his energy, what he's into, and I go, okay, so um, when are you gonna do the build? He goes, oh, well, I still need to get the motor and I still need to buy the car. <laughs> and I just got quiet. And I'm wait, like, what? wait, what? I'm all. I thought you just said you had the motor in the car. He goes, you just sold me on a dream, dude. <laughs> no, but it was like he uh, basically was selling me on his dream, and I'm and I hope to God he like pursued it and still made it happen. But I'm like, I'm sorry, I can't sponsor you. You just said you would. I'm like, that's when I thought you had a car and a motor. You know, yeah, like you that's can. what I thought you already had everything. You can't you needed, get behind vapor. You know, to yeah. get it done because I'm willing. I'm willing to go in on passion a lot of times, and it's not always the right choice. But if you feel strongly, and I. And I still feel like maybe that kid did pull off what he said he was going to pull off because he, he sounded like, he sounded kind of like me. Like a know? doer. Like a doer. But it's like, bro, you can't put the cart before the horse. So it's like certain things have to be in place. People ask me like, how do I get sponsored? I'm like, A, think about like a, a unique value prop. B, get like a return on investment plan together. Like how are you going to give back to these companies if they give you like a $1,500 part? Yeah. We tell people all the time. We tell people all the time. Look for every group I give you, I expect you to sell 10. Yeah. Yeah, Right. Like not obviously directly out in the corner peddling it, but I do, I do expect that you, that you, that your level of exposure and the conversations that you're having with people, the meaningful interactions are eventually going to sell 10 groups. Yeah, for sure. So, but yeah, that's my that's my two cents. It's like, <laughs> don't put the cart before the horse. Like, you know, Never, have your yeah. plan together. Whether get, you're trying to be an influencer or you're starting a business, you got to book the ticket. Yeah. You got to go all in. I like that. You know, I when people talk about startup life, I feel like all my analogies are extreme sports analogies because it's like, dude, if you're thinking of starting a business, like think about how many times you're going to crash or fall trying to learn a kickflip if you've never done one before. Okay. Well that many times crashing on your skateboard, like think about that as you think about your business, because it's a road of trials and failures and falling and crashing and learning. And it's all part of the experience. It is. It's all part of getting back up, right? Like it it really is. That's I mean, that's really the great analogy is that man, you're going to get punched in the gut and kicked in the teeth so many times that you have to be able to stick with it because when you when you don't push through it that's where the failure creeps in mm-hmm. right when you start thinking that you know this is too much or i can't get back up and do this and you know it's that's really where it starts to kind of st- buckle for sure, for sure. Yeah. yeah 
Yeah. And I, it's funny. Like, I just love, I love talking about the failures almost like more like, and it's funny. <laughs> it's like, exciting, I feel like, right? I feel like the, the narrative like I'm painting is like, yeah, like it's so hard and whatever. And it's like, the reality is, is like, we've had the most amazing year ever. Like yeah. since the day we launched our product, it has been like overwhelming the positive response. But like, I think it's also important to show that even you guys didn't start from zero totally in the sense that that you didn't, you weren't someone without experience, without a history, without a background that decided to build this product, right? Mm-hmm. Like I think that's also really key in in this whole story, right? Just like we just talked about in in asking someone for something, you guys came into this with a background, with history in a prior company that could you saw give what was you, going wrong, right? You yeah. saw things that you wanted to improve on. Yep. You had, you know, you had relationships in place right i'm sure you didn't meet your partner for the first time when you decided to start this company pretty you, much actually i did oh really that's a funny story oh, really? okay yeah <laughs> that's a sure well, jason, ryan yeah. Who's jason that? i've known for a long time so okay. jason's another one of the co-founders jason and i used to race over the hump together which is like a local yep. mountain bike race series and uh, worked at different bike shops so yep. i've known jason for a while um my other partner ryan like we literally met just on a whim at church no kidding and i like just i needed there i (laughs) knew there was like someone that was going to be my other kind of my other half in terms of like just spreadsheets and financial bookkeeping like that is not my brain that is not my strength and i know it and i knew that for this thing to be successful where i could do what i do well i needed that other Right person. I think that's really an important thing to, to to talk about because I feel like every successful business starts with um with some real like honesty in in the in the in the what I'm hearing right now is that you are honest with yourself in knowing where your gaps are. You know your and strengths. You know your strengths. Sure. You know your weaknesses. And rather than just trying to let your ego take over, you you went and found someone that can fulfill that need and that that is their strength that's that that's i think hugely underestimated and i don't don't think i hear enough people talk about it because i think that makes a really strong team when everyone can be straight up and put the ego aside and say look i'm not good at this this is where we're lacking and this is where we need to shore up our you know internal knowledge and in a startup everyone's got to take out the trash everyone's got to do everything yep but at the same time to know and to be students of your teammates and students of their strengths and yep. to always be looking for the ways in which they're just naturally excelling and seeing how you can push them even further into that. Yeah. And that's been like, honestly, one of the things that gives me the most joy about being the CEO of the company is being able to be students of the other people in our team and figuring out like, how can I help you kill it even more than you're already killing it. Well, it kind of goes back to the the talk about collaborating with other brands as well in order to build a larger brand or a more um, solid union. It's like nobody does it by themselves, whether it's the company itself or you as a person. Yeah. Like you have a wife too, and I'm sure she supported you like immensely, right? Oh my gosh, yeah. Yeah, business isn't, it's no, it's not any different or it's not any removed from life. Like that's yep. just, it's the same principles. A lot, it's a lot, it's a lot of the same lessons. It's a lot of the same experiences where you need to develop strong relationships. You need to trust and lean on the people that you're in business with. Right. And, and, and take those strengths and weaknesses and identify them and be honest about them and communication 
right? Just like in a personal relationship, communication in a business is key. Oh my right? gosh. You yeah. can't tell me that, you know, if something's not getting done, you got to speak up. If something is ex- um, succeeding, you got to speak up and you got to really kind of, you know, be very transparent with each other, just like in a personal relationship. Sure. Like yeah. it all, yeah. life is life. Like for <laughs> sure. It carries yeah. over. Yeah. I swear. Like, I think I learned more helpful tools in premarital classes for <laughs> right. business yeah. than I did from anything business related. It's like, oh no, this is communication. Right. Like, that's the kind of stuff. I think what's the statistic? Like it's over 80% of startups fail because of interpersonal conflict. Sure. It might even be higher than that. It might be. But it it's makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean the my my uh, my go to quote is business is easy, people are hard. Right. Yes. Like yep. <laughs> it's true though. When you're dealing with personalities and in people, like it it can really it can make or break. Yeah. I mean, we've right? had we've had our own like conversations and I think we've talked about this in the past where it's like we've decided like hey, we just have to be 100% up front right away. Have those yeah. have those hard talks right away. Yep. If yeah. something's bugging us or whatever, so that it doesn't turn into this like festering thing that will eventually just take out the entire Yeah, endeavor. because once you allow that one li- and it could be something so like dumb. Yep. Right. But if a you, perception. Al- yeah, yeah, if you allow that perception to take hold and begin to become reality, it, it'll start that little crack will turn into a chasm mm-hmm. in no time. And then it's done. Like at that point, now you're now, now you're digging your heels in because you're invested in your emotional position. <laughs> right. And yep. it's just, you're unwilling to give or, or take it, it becomes a problem. Well, it's also about taking ownership. Absolutely. I mean, ownership such a huge piece of it, even in relationships and at work, like, you fuck up. Like you have to accept whatever may come. Yeah. But own up to it. Don't try to like push it off or try to um, deflect it by, you know, getting angry or, you know, you gotta, you gotta face it head on and be a man or be a woman about it. And um, God, I don't even know if I'm allowed to say the word man anymore, um, <laughs> but I'm kidding. Um, but you, you gotta, you know, you just gotta like, you really have to approach it open and honest. Yes. Yeah. So overland. So, overland. so yeah, <laughs> it's almost, you know what? It's almost like, it's almost like we had, like we had a virtual campfire here. We got right. so deep we on got this one. Real deep. Just like, yeah. Wow. Yeah. It happens a lot. It does happen. That's great. Yeah. I mean, there's, yeah. there's only so much you can talk about tire sizes and yeah. yeah. Eventually everyone's heard the same conversation about what, what size tire I can fit on my stock Tacoma. We got to give some life skills out here. Yeah. yeah. That's good. You got to exactly. break it down. <laughs> maybe maybe you guys can pull something from this and have a better relationship with your wife. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. yeah the listeners. If, we're hoping. Hey, that you guys if we are, do that for one person, exactly. one person, did, we've succeeded, right? Yeah, That's, exactly. Rick for dirt has been a success. Yes, your 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 biweekly rigged for dirt therapy. You're welcome. <laughs> <That's> so stupid. <laughs> I mean, so well. One thing, uh, real quick, we haven't talked about your own experiences, like you know on trips and whatnot. Yeah, has there been something that you Yeah, has there been an adventure you've gone on recently? Oh, let's see. So, uh, super fun trip. What was it about a month ago? So, Northwest Overland Rally. Okay. Up near Leavenworth, Washington. Yep. The northeast of Seattle. Um, we very last minute, literally we went last year. We weren't going to go this year. It's just a long haul and then literally like just on on a whim, I was like, you know what? I think we should go. Let's let's go. And <laughs> registration registration Moab. was closed. Yeah, sure. Like, I I call the I call the event coordinators, and I'm like, hey, is there any way I can get in? Like, 
And they're like, you know what? We literally almost printed the exhibitor list. Like you got in by maybe 15 minutes. Oh, wow. And I'm like, Sick. as a vendor, right? As a vendor. How many days before the event was this? Uh, Like two weeks. Two oh weeks. my gosh. <laughs> or, yeah. Like so just they're getting ready to weeks. send out their emails. Yeah. yeah so, they're yeah. sending, they're, they're going to print. They're putting booth numbers out and things. Yeah. <laughs> and so nice. like, all right, cool. And then, um, normally Jason does the long haul trips. Um, but he slight tangent, but SEMA had reached out to us asking us, uh, to, Oh yeah. It, uh, to apply for this, uh, like young startup cool. award. I'm totally botching the name of it. Uh, but, um, anyways, we applied and, um, typically that would be something that I would probably do. And Jason would go to the event, right. but through a series of events, when we submitted the application, Jason's name was on it. So it, like, it's his deal. Like they're super strict about it. Cause there's like a cash prize. Oh wow. There's like 10 grand for the winner and they give you a kiosk booth at SEMA. Oh Good wow. Luck on that. So, That's awesome. so yeah, he's already went to Vegas once and did the whole initial video yeah, shoot I saw for it. it. He did a whole nice. thing like an Instagram story. He killed it too. Yeah. Like I was, again, like going back to the whole, like letting people just run with stuff. Jason killed it. Like it was so cool to just see him clean up and get polished and like do the whole, do the <laughs> right. whole It was, it was totally worth stuff. seeing. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so he was doing that. So I was going to need to roll solo. And then, um, I also had it in the back of my mind that I hadn't been back to Whistler, which is one of my favorite places to go mountain biking in like close to a decade. And I was like, I really, I'm going to be so close. I'm like, it's like five hours. It'd be a shame, yeah. right? From You're Seattle more to than Whistler. Halfway there, yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, it's a. You're like two thirds the way there. Or probably more, even more. Probably than even that. more I than mean, that. It's yeah. Literally just a hop, a skip, and a jump. So, um, so I devised this plan with my wife where I would drive to the event, um, which so I I drove 14 hours to Bend nice. straight. A lot um, of phone calls, huh? And uh, lots, a lot of, of lots of phone calls. <laughs> uh, and then stayed with Casey from Free Spirit. Okay. Um, and then just took a day in between drives to just hang out and bend. Which if you haven't been to bend, yeah, it's pretty go awesome. to bend. Yeah. Okay. Um, like just had a day to myself. So I went for a ride, Phil's trailhead, did all the little dirt jumps at the start of the trailhead, went for a ride, did, um, what do they call it? The whoops. And then um, like stand up paddleboarded down to the just shoots, just Sick. like. Wow. By myself. I tried to surf this like rapid thing yeah. and, and like lost Casey's sup and like had to swim <laughs> after rad. it. Dude, that's a thing. Like, yeah. awesome. like down rivers, stand up paddleboarding. Like yeah. it's a, like rapid. That's it's rad. way harder it's than surfing. Yeah. Um, so anyways, and then from Bend caravaned with, uh, with free spirit up to the event and then had four days, um, at Northwest Overland rally, which, it was such a cool event. Like if you guys get the chance, do it. I've heard really good things about that event. Like I've, I wasn't really on my radar. Um, I just figured Overland Expo, that's pretty much it. But I've heard some really good things about that one. And I guess they're now doing a Rocky Mountain one. They're expanding. Oh, cool. To Colorado. So, to Colorado. Yeah. 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 And then, dude, it was such a cool vibe. Like even we did a ride uh, Friday morning with Carl from Nitro Gear and there's some rad trails like right behind oh, wow. the event. And so we had a really That's good awesome. ride. Um, and then just, yeah, it was a great event. Like I swear in some ways I felt like it was better than Expo West because people were so engaged. Yeah. Like everyone's kind of shell shocked at West because it is. it's gotten. Yeah. You kind of, yeah. you kind of walk in you're like, whoa. 
Yeah. You're just, you don't even know 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 how to surmount it. I was going to say, you don't even know where to start. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. And then, um, after the event, my, uh, wife and son flew into Seattle, picked them up, drove up to Whistler and then just spent a week riding and hanging out in Whistler. That's pretty awesome. And then drove, drove home. So that was my latest trip. And like, I love trips like that where you get a little, a little of this, little of that, like get the family in it too. Yeah. Um, we do a lot of solo trips, which it's cool because you can just go fast and do your thing. But I mean, when you've got a little kid, it's so cool to be able to bring him and the yeah. wife with you. So start those memories early and yeah, really just instill sure. it in them. Like it was done to you, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Absolutely. So, well, that's a hell of a great place to end this one. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for sitting with us and having a chat and obviously supporting us from the beginning. Yep. Like everything that, you know, that that's kind of resulted since then. Like, it seems like it was just yesterday we were recording episode one or better yet. It seems like just yesterday we were sitting at a Starbucks, like having a coffee on a Sunday morning, talking about even doing this. Like, no do you remember that? Well, I mean, at this point, by the time somebody <laughs> listens to this, it's been over six months. Yeah. Been, oh, yeah. It's been well over it's six months. Yeah. Gnarly. Yeah. It's been it's been crazy, but it's been great. And, so. you know, on that note, a lot of great things have happened since then, too, yeah. where uh, you mentioned it really briefly earlier. But, you know, you spent a lot of time building up uh, um, rigs and coffee for yeah. Orange County. Yep. And, you know, I'm super stoked that you've, you know, allowed me on that part of the journey with you because now it's uh rfdoc yep for that one and then we're also about to uh come out with rfd la yep and then i think our next plan after that is rfd az yep uh which is also with the kc guys la is also with the kc over yeah, at KC so, at hq yeah so the orange county one has been going i mean i've been doing the orange county meetup for almost three years with overland uh, bound with right? overland bound yep yeah and we moved it to its current location at steelhead coffee in laguna hills a year ago already or actually over a year ago now and ever since then it's just been steadily growing and we're averaging about a hundred rigs um uh, uh, per meetup so once a month it's been incredible i mean so overland bound is 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 really jumped in obviously now we're kind of in this phase of unifying all the different projects that we're working on, right. That you're working on, that I'm working on from and this video podcast, to yeah. meetups to podcasts and like bringing everything cool. kind yeah. of under the rigged for dirt kind of, you know, flag. And so yeah, RFDOC, RFD LA kicks off in September on September 14th at the KC headquarters. Um, a lot of cool stuff happening for that. Um, the new Instagram account now for that RFD LA. Yep. So, and, and RFDOC, so, and yeah, eventually we'll probably make a move out to Arizona as well. Um, once we kind of get our footing here in Orange County and LA. Yep. So yeah, super stoked. It's been an incredible year so far. I mean, for everybody, you know, for rigged, for us, for a lot of our friends, even, you know, a lot like of people just, are like taking off. Like, yeah. You know. the, the, it, it's been a crazy, crazy like trajectory in 2019. So I'm really excited for just, you know, watching everyone kind of collectively grow it seems like we've really all kind of hit a tide that is truly lifting all boats. Like it's yeah. really, it's yeah. really been cool. Totally. Everybody's been working together really well. I think. Yeah. 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 Um, so why don't we give a shout out to our first uh, supporter and we happen to be in their shop. Yes. So huge, um, <laughs> huge shout out obviously to uh, rig supply and everything that they've done. RIGD supply.com. Um, check them out for obviously the ultra swing that we just spent a fair amount of time talking about. Um, the universal, universal yep. ultra swing and uh, the other products that they offer um, on the website and the support for that ultra swing to kind of make it truly kind of an ecosystem. 
Do you want to talk about anything that you guys got coming up? Yeah. So, um, as far as events, I mean, it's going to be a busy next few months. Um, it's funny cause I'm looking at my whiteboard with some events on it <laughs> right now. Um, so we've got an event in Tahoe, um, adventure van expo. I think I'm getting that name, right? It's expanded beyond vans now. Oh, okay. Um, there's, I know like GFC is going to make a, make an appearance and we're going to be there. Um, so it's South side of Tahoe. Um, so we're going to do that in September. I think it's like the 7th and 8th. Um, and then I know OCO has got their event coming up here. Oh, yeah, in August. Uh, the back to school one. Yep. I, don't quote me on the dates, but I know that's coming. Yep. Um, and That's like middle of August. Yeah. So um, I think that's about Unfortunately, the I think things. people will have already either gone to it or heard about it after. Well, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. This will be a September podcast. Yeah, this will definitely be out in September. But yeah, I mean, you guys have a pretty stacked kind of. Yeah. List. Well, Expo East is around the corner. Yep. That's happening. Um, we'll be at East. And uh, oh, also the SFO. Uh, oh, that's right. That's happening in October. That's in October as okay. well. It's like mid October. Yep. So we just they committed just put the dates out for that. Yeah, I saw that there on their Instagram and Facebook. They you just guys will be at SEMA. Uh, SEMA will be there. I don't we'll know to what extent. Okay. Also, uh, we're thinking about doing some sort of early morning ride at the SFO event. Okay. Oh, cool. Like cool. a pre-show yeah. mountain bike ride. Yes. Just do a loop through Whiting or something. That's yeah. Um, yep. So that'd be awesome for that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm done. Yep, I'm game. I'll I be healed by them. Bike, but that's not a problem. <laughs> I got a new helmet. <laughs> Ollie can go. redeem yeah. himself. Ollie's got a new helmet. Yeah. <laughs> got a new helmet. <laughs> oh, yeah. That reminds me. My, my PSA for the podcast is if you've ever, if you crash on your helmet, like I told Ollie, Chuck it. It's done. Yeah. Helmets are good for one crash. Cut the straps off. Throw it in the trash. Especially That's if you end up concussed. Yeah. And if you've got a concussion, it is definitely done. <laughs> so that's my PSA for for the mountain bikers out there and the road cyclists, actually. Yeah. What'd you so. say? I'm just kidding. These <laughs> <laughs> short-term memories <laughs> shot. <laughs> um, so, and so then, yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, where can everyone find out information from you about you guys? Yeah. So again, rigsupply.com. Um, you can reach out on Instagram. Uh, that's R I G D R I G D supply. And, uh, yeah. Email us anytime support at rigsupply.com. We respond very quickly. Ask them questions about fitment, favorite color, yep. best tasting, favorite ice cream. Yeah. All that stuff. All of it. <laughs> so our second, um, our second biggest supporter is Casey lights. Yep, they've also been with us for quite a while, um, making excellent products and backing this excellent podcast. And it's been it's been quite a ride. So we're obviously we're taking a, a journey with them. Um, like like we said earlier, RFD LA is going to be at KC at their HQ in yep. Gardena. So um, you know, hopefully you guys made it out to that. Yeah, and and if you listen to the last podcast, then you know um, exactly what kind of company that is, um, and how how dedicated, how deep. And how much of kind of a, a, a really kind of bonding family environment they have, yep. right? And so we, and we talk about it all the time, right? So um, check them out. Um, and then, you know, if, you, if you're if you in the market for lights, we can definitely take care of you there as well. That's right. RFD20. Go ahead and uh, enter that in when you go buy your lights and you will get a nice little 20% off discount. Yep. And um, lastly, uh, one thing I wanted to bring up because we talked about it um, in the podcast around Moab a couple of times. That's right. You have the is, charity. Uh, is the charity. 
So I had an awesome call um, on the way here, actually, um, with Scott, the guy who runs um, Gear Forward. And um, it, it's been really, we've been kind of playing tag for, gosh, five months. For a little while. <laughs> yeah, for a while, because he had like a serious medical issue within his family, and his father-in-law ended up passing away, and it was like a really long, long ordeal. Um, so, you know, in we were emailing back and forth. So like, I feel, I almost feel like I'm part of this drama and this like pain in some ways because of it. But, um, anyways, we had a really good conversation, um, on the way here and he is fired up about this relationship and us helping them. And so am I for that matter, because Ollie, you and I had a really good talk about kind of how helping um, kids, how we can give back yeah. yeah, and how we can give back and how helping kids that are kind of in these urban areas or just in a poverty situation and helping open, you know, opening them their access. Yeah. Give them access to the outdoors, opening their eyes, their minds, you know, showing them what's possible. Right. And providing them the tools Dude, 100%. To, to do that. And so we're now going to be um, an official um, kind of, I guess, ambassadors, how they label it, but we're essentially helping them um, on the, on, in Southern California. We're going to be actually surprisingly the, the only people in SoCal. Um, that are helping this with, with them with this project. Oh, that's and I told them, I go, it's not going to stay that way. I promise you, you know, between the network that we have of friends and supporters, it'll be no time before you have a pretty solid base um, here in Southern California, helping collect um, sleeping bags, tents, um, shoes, pants, you know, things like that. Even he even mentioned to me, which I didn't know is uniforms um, for the boy scouts and girl scouts. I guess it's, they, they've had a huge influx of kids um, in the past like year. No kidding. And yeah, like they're they're exploding, ever, especially ever since they allowed girls to join the Boy Scouts. Okay. They've just been booming, like exploding. There's been a, apparently some seriously pent up demand <laughs> to go camping and learn some, well, I think some people, knot tying skills. People might be just kind of sick of the rat race and they want to see their children go after, you know, what they want. Getting back to basics yeah. and getting those skills in life. Because yeah. I think a lot of us find ourselves suddenly like, wait a second. How do you start a fire without matches? You know, right. like, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. you, you get so caught up in the day to day that you, you lose sight of like, you know, the basic life survival skills. And did you, did you do Boy Scouts? I or, did. Yeah. yeah. So I did, did I. I did Boy Scouts. Cubs yeah. All of Cub Scouts and then uh, was a Boy Scout for, I think I made it to like first class. No, maybe not even that. I dropped out because I got to high school and I got all. That's pretty you know, much like, what everyone uh, does. Almost everyone kind of, yeah. I was racing mountain bikes a lot and like. Yeah. Nobody but, can catch me in this uniform. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much it's that <laughs> yeah. in high school, which. Yeah. Maybe it's hip now in a weird sort of way. Yeah. I, I mean, know. I don't know. I had my kids in it only because I never got that experience like myself. Like, you know, again, that, that goes, that's from experience talking yeah. where it's like, oh, I see myself kind of day to day going to work. I want my kids to have a better kind of experience. So that's why I got them into like, you know, Cub Scouts and stuff. But so yeah, yeah, we'll be working a lot more gear forward. We'll be, we'll be setting up as a, as a donation point. I think we're, our, our first plan is to use, um, one of the RFD OC and LA events, um, as a donation drop off. So keep, um, keep those things on your radar because we'll be asking for you to just basically donate your old gear. Things that you're not using anymore that are just building up space in the garage that your significant other wants you to get rid of anyway. Um, so you go ahead and give it and some kids will put it to good use and experience the outdoors for quite possibly the first time. Cool. But here comes that music because that means uh, we're that means- on our way definitely out yep. now. So, hey, from Ali. And Frank. And Rig Supply. Thank you guys so much for listening. Yep. Thanks for listening. And we'll catch you guys next time before I totally get drowned out by the music. 
Check us out at ri- at Rigged Supply. <laughs> I gotcha. <laughs> Get me. <laughs> Check us out at RigfordDirt.com. RigfordDirt on the Instagrams. I'm at Trucky McTruckface. I'm at Kate the Jeep. And we'll catch you next time. Take care.